Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show whose internet is currently being held together by a can and some string because of this bloody weather. On today's pod, we're looking ahead to this weekend's hosting of Spurs, a team that usually comes unstuck at the Etihad, a team that's in dire form right now, which all sounds rather ominous. We'll also be talking unpopular opinions, as well as celebrating one of the goals of this or any other season. To discuss all this and more, I'm delighted to be joined by two Friday favourites in the form of Howard and Ali. Hi, Howard, you well? Yeah, fine, thanks. Podcast that comes with a weather warning. (laughs) Yeah, you all hunkered down and ready for it? (laughs) Well, normally these things are... I'm not saying overrated, we're not going to get the worst of it in the northwest, uh, but it is the calm before the storm. So if there's any noise on this one... It won't be a leaf blower being, <laughs> <laughs> being blown down the street. It will just be uh, probably wheelie bins and stuff like that. So we apologise for any background noise. So. Yeah. Uh, Ali, are you well and how is it there right now? Yeah, I'm fine. I've uh, I've turned all the garden furniture upside down. Yes, and moved, <laughs> <laughs> moved, moved anything they can possibly uh, shift and you know, nailed the cats to a tree, all that kind of thing. Um, and we're, we're ready to go. There, there's a storm coming and I don't mean Tottenham Hotspur. No, no. Have you I've nailed not... wood over the windows, either of you, sir? <laughs> I was tempted. <laughs> not quite. I thought about it. How can you take a storm called Eunice? Or what's it called? Seriously, <laughs> anyway. So. They are running yeah. out of names, Eunice, aren't they? yeah. Eunice, when, yeah. When, when they said earlier this week that Dudley and Eunice were coming, I was picturing a couple, <laughs> picturing a couple of pensioners underneath yeah. a travel blanket. I'll put the on, kettle on, yeah. yeah no, <laughs> on, the, the, these storms are arriving on a coach to Great Yarmouth under a travel blanket. <laughs> Get the tea strainer out. <laughs> um, let's look ahead to Spurs. No, let's look back first before we look forward because... We've already kind of discussed the sporting um, game on a review pod on Wednesday, but there's an aspect to it which we kind of touched on at the time. And I thought we've got to kind of replicate this for the Friday show, particularly because I don't have your opinions on this yet. Um, I'll start with you, Ali. A certain goal by a certain player named Bernardo Silva. How beautiful was it? How was it for you? Oh, how was it for me? I, I, Oh, first thing to, to say is it was in direct contrast to the goal before because I'd, like, I'd spent the previous 10 minutes grumbling about what an, I don't know what the opposite of an anticlimax is when, mm. when you score a goal and it just it doesn't register and we had that nonsense with the VAR and the goal that, that we got which none of us thought was going to be a goal um, and the TV didn't even bless us with a picture really to show us that it might be onside and then suddenly we were 1-0 up and it was really unsatisfying and I was just <laughs> about done grumbling about that when uh, up pops Bernardo and bang and I leapt off my sofa I just exhaled this you know deafening roar of of joy and pleasure and surprise and ecstasy um, and it really was sublime and the thing you know, everybody has been talking about the contact the strike he made which hmm. the, the technique when he met that ball with his, the way he shaped his body and just caught it on the perfectly on the half volley um, all of that absolutely right it was just wonderful and, and an incredible skill incredible talent to deliver it but what I want to talk about is what came before uh, because if you go back and you watch it frame by frame when the first ball came over it was a corner I think came over from the yeah. uh, from the right and uh, Bernardo was just kind of trotting across the penalty box he was the other side of the D at that point and kind of followed the ball in and then and I, I don't know if it was Laporte somebody knocked it right up in the air it, it you know went in nearly into orbit um, and at that time, that ball got knocked up. There were four sporting defenders within about three yards of the ball and another two City players within five yards of the ball. Um, Bernardo was about 20 yards away. He saw that ball going up in the air and thought, right, this is mine. And he just set off on this curling, you know, this perfect parabola of a run, accelerating <laughs> all his way. His, you know, his legs turned into, you remember, um, Billy, Billy Wiz from the Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his little legs just spinning underneath him and he just took off at this, with this incredible acceleration round a corner and arrived at the 
you're the only millisecond he could possibly have arrived in order to meet that ball the way he met it. Um, I have never seen a, an approach to a shot like that. You know, never mind, you know, forget about the actual contact he made and the ball he hit, the run to get there, the ground he made up, and the fact that in the time it took him to, to run that 20 yards, the four sporting defenders moved about two yards between them. <laughs> you know, they just didn't go anywhere. They just stayed where they were. And Bernardo came charging in and the shot exploded. It was, it was wonderful. And with, you know, with all due respect to, uh, Razzie's goal, which was also a beautiful goal. Uh, but there were people after talking about which was the better goal. And I can think, you know, if you watch football often enough, every few weeks you'll see a goal like Sterling's, you yeah. know, a curler in the top corner from, you know, 20 yards. And it's beautiful and, you know, all respect to him. But the Bernardo goal was a once in a lifetime kind of hit. You just do not see those goals, however, however, however long you watch football for. And it was a pleasure and a privilege to have been there. Well, not there to be on the other side of a TV screen watching it. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned there about the anti-climax of the first goal. Um, did either of you see the Rangers-Dortmund game yesterday? Because yeah. their fourth yeah. goal was kind yeah. of, you know, ruled off, chalked off at first. And it was clearly onside at the time. Nowhere near yeah. offside. No. Yeah. And you think of the Rangers fans watching that on telly going absolutely crackers because, you know, the 4-1 up at the time to, against Dortmund. And then just for that to be taken away from them wrongly because of a mistake. I mean, VAR is there to kind of correct mistakes, but in the initial instance, a mistake has been made to, to chalk it off. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not having any of this VAR is good now nonsense. You know, when, (laughs) when the, uh, when that goal went in, I, I was continuing to, uh, to, uh, fly the flag for fuck VAR. You know, I'm not, I would rather give up that goal than have the nonsense that, that, uh, preceded it you know yeah absolutely. but the wait for the first city goal was ridiculous probably. yeah it just didn't there is some long. there's some ai technology coming i think two years away apparently that yeah may speed everything up so mm. we'll just have to wait until then um we've touched on the bernardo goal um so i want to come out from a different angle with yourself how but at first i just want to give my own kind of thoughts on the bernardo goal which is i believe that it derives from a miscalculation on Bernardo's part, a mistake, if you will, <laughs> because I. It's your unpopular opinion. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. Hot take incoming. <laughs> to, to, to it was explain, a cross. He was trying to cross it. He, he cuts through the ball. He cuts through the ball as you would on a half volley, but the ball bounces up. Oh, a couple of centimetres higher than I think he anticipates. So essentially, he volleys the ball, but he connects with it as if he's striking it on the half volley, which is why it's such an unusual goal, I think, and the angle it takes, the trajectory and, and all the rest of it, and the way he, his body shape is so unusual for, for what is essentially a volley because the ball's off the ground. Um, and that's what makes it so utterly beautiful, I think. The fact that it's, it's, it's basically a beautiful mistake, um, but that is an unpopular opinion. I'm happy to, to back down on that one. What makes it beautiful <laughs> is it... Whacking off the underside of the ball. Oh, always, always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. all joy you get from seeing some yes. ball hit that hard. Yeah, yeah. The foot it's when you get a dong noise. Absolutely <laughs> banged off the bar. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even see it properly at the time live. It's like it was when it hit the back of the net that my brain worked it out. Like, yeah, you yeah. go backwards. Yeah, yeah. It was welled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, a th- whack. Um, yeah. How it's so. My thinking is that I'm a bit concerned right now about Bernardo Silva because basically Pep has come out and said everything's there in place for him to, to kind of sign a contract. Um, it looks like he's going to be happy to do so, but he hasn't at this point. Um, uh, so are you worried too? Because I really don't want to see him go. I mean, as aside from his importance to the team, I love the lad. Um, he's, he's, he has to be one of my favourite ever City players. Um, how do you feel about it all? Yeah, exactly that. Well, firstly, the contract is symbolic in a way. He's not one of those players that's coming to the end of his contract. Mm. Yeah, we've got players that have got under 18 months perhaps left now. He signed a six-year contract in 2019. So he's three years of his contract left, but it's the symbolic of it. If there's any discussions taking place, then that, in itself tells us that he's happier than he was last summer because he just wouldn't have entertained that in the summer. Yeah. So just hearing if if it's true, you know, I've no idea what's going on. 
but I've heard it from a number of sources over weeks that, yeah, it is being entertained by him to sign a new contract. It's very telling in itself. But obviously, what would be even more telling is the photo of him with a pen in his hand, sat behind a desk saying that he signed an extension. And then you know that he's here to stay, he's happy, and he understands. Yeah. I heard, I don't know where I read it, that it wasn't all about living in Manchester and that was the issue. It's more his role in the team yes. and stuff like yeah. that. Well, he's clearly got a role in the team now. He's clearly not thinking about, he's clearly happier. You can't play this well if you've got a fuck, you know, if you're playing under a cloud. He's clearly settled, more settled than he's been. Yeah, just that. It's I hate cliche sign uh, sayings like this, but it would be like a new signing of a world class player if he comes out with the contract. Not because we need him on a contract, but because it tells us that he's not going to go in the summer. Mm. Yeah, I'm completely on the same page as you. Um, and I really would like to see it happen. I saw someone somewhere mention that should he do so, Bernardo in the summer, then that's our summer transfer business concluded. And I thought, well. Yeah, I kind of look. I kind of get where you're coming from there. Um, okay, let's look ahead to Spurs, uh, a game in which I'm sure Bernardo will feature heavily. And um, before I get to the Spurs team themselves, um, Ali, I want to talk about Sun Hyung Min. Um, he scored five times in those last seven meetings with City. Do such things concern you, or are they essentially superstition if a player has a good track record against a certain opposition? Uh, yeah, the the opposition uh, doesn't really concern me so much as the uh, ongoing form. I think the best guide to what yeah. the player is likely to do in his next game is what he did in his last game and the game before that. Uh, so that doesn't particularly concern me. What I will say is I am a massive fan of Son. Um, I, I, I just think he's such an elegant, controlled um Beautiful player to watch. Yeah. Uh, he frightens me every time we play him. And I mean, I, I, I think I've said this on the pod before. Um, but when there was a lot of discussion last summer about signing a certain Tottenham Hotspur player, um, of all of every player in that Tottenham Hotspur squad, the one that I would want would be Son. It wouldn't be Kane. Um, and I know that they've not filed that for the unpopular city opinion mm, later. Um, but I, I've always thought Son would be a, would be a, a wonderful player under Pep. He's, he's got so many attributes, uh, but he's not ours and I don't think there's any possibility that that's going to be coming. So we have to face the fact that he will be on the other, other team come tomorrow. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, uh, an absolutely class act. And I mean, we'll come on and talk about the, the Spurs team as a whole. Uh, but of all of them, yes, he worries me very much. And, and I think it's the reason he has got such a good track record against us. And it, this is true for Kane as well is because the way Spurs play against us is to back up and hit us on the break. And there are probably not two players in the league that are better at hitting suddenly in the break than Son and Kane. Mm. Uh, so yeah, of course they, they, yeah. Have have reaped rich rewards against us in the past. Um, hopefully, they're not quite playing as a team at the level to and to open up the chances. But uh, yeah, we can come on to that. Well, Son has scored just shy of a third of Spurs' league goals this season, but it's, it's hardly a vintage season for him overall. I've got to say about Kane, he never seems to do well against City. I'm not jinxing it before anyone <laughs> kind of has a go on Twitter, but he doesn't, in terms of scoring at least, he's always a threat and he's always involved in the build-up to goals. But um, I think, I may be wrong here, that he has, as regards to his own track record against every club in the Premier League, City are bottom for him. Yeah, um, for, for anyone he's played over kind of four or five times against. So I, can, I think in my head, he's kind of, I, I mix him up with, uh, with Vardy. Uh, you know, he Kane should have the same kind of yeah, return yeah, yeah. against us that Vardy does, and yeah, I'll, I'm, I'll, you know, obviously, I will, I will take your word for it on the numbers. Um, but yeah, I, I, I cannot be at all confident going into a, a match with Kane and Son coming at us from the other. Absolutely, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got numerous assists against us because yeah. he does always seem to be involved in the build-up. Um, look at the Spurs team in general, though, Howard. I mean, three defeats on the bounce. Should they lose to City at the weekend? It's the first time Antonio Conte's managerial career has lost four in a row. Um, they're shipping in goals as well of late. How much of a threat do they pose? <sighs> Without history, if you forget what's gone in the past. Yeah. Because we know what history 
you know what happens in the past. I'm not normally a, I don't really take much credence in past results. Yeah, because what happened two years ago is just it's a lifetime ago in football, but it keeps happening with Spurs. So you suddenly like, well, maybe there's something in it. You know, the XG thing, they, they we have 17 shots, they have one, they win 1 0. It's just, <laughs> it happens, it happens with Spurs more than once. And I don't, I don't know, is it the style of play or is it just City, just coincidence that City were profligate on the day? If you ignore history, I mean, I've got the lineup against Wolves. Uh, we win this game very easily. Mm. It's just not that impressive mm. apart from. Now, Lucas Moura, I think I probably rate him more than Spurs fans themselves do. He's an inconsistent player, but he's he's capable of doing damage to us. So that front three is obviously very dangerous. But then you move behind and it's... it's Davin, Davinson Sanchez never really hit the heights. That is the awful form. For the money they paid as well. Christian Romero, Ben Davis, Matt Doherty, Harry Winks. Maybe I un- undervalue him. Ben Tanker, we just don't know. You know, he's got he's got the ability to be a success, but he's got to get used to the Premier League and Sessignon. It's just a team you can really get out there. And if City are on form and suffocate them, then you starve the front three of service anyway. Mm. It's it's we're gonna put a far better team out and it's a game we should win. They're low on confidence. Conte has been doing interviews in Italy that shows his exasperation at letting experience out the club and bringing players in with no Premier League experience. They're not in a good place right now, let's be honest, but they can still make the top four with the games in hands, I think. So we've got to be wary, but City go into this in perfect form. They come into it in the worst form possible. Mm. If you ignore history, then City should really win comfortably, but we know it doesn't always work like that. Yeah, I mean, if indeed they do play a front three, I believe they probably mm. will, but there's every chance... Or a back a, three, or... Yeah, sorry, yeah. Don't, yeah. Uh, well, a 3-5-2 three, three, is what Spurs fans are crying out for because the few times they've played 3-5-2 this season, they've looked really good. And yet, the next game, he goes back to kind of 3-4-2-1. And, um, so, yeah, that's just the kind of... That, that's what I'll be looking out for personally an hour for kickoff when the teams are announced. I might even go to the Spurs lineup before I go to Cities because it'll be really interesting to see what system they're going to shape up. I think personally, if it's three four two one, we're going to absolutely batter them. Um, but let's wait and see on that one. Um, which brings us to the lineup predictions. Um, Palmer's out, Jesus is out, Grealish is looking like he may be on the bench, but that's fifty fifty. He certainly won't be starting. Um, Ali, who kind of makes up your front three as regards to form? I mean, we can't drop Raheem right now, can we? I don't. I mean, it's difficult to drop anyone on form, to be honest. After the last couple of games we've mm. had, uh, I, I think uh, Pep will always be uh, wanting to keep everyone involved, and Pep doesn't like going lots of games in a row without rotating any or many, including the front three. So the fact that. Uh, Sterling, Foden particularly, um, have been excellent the last couple of games. Doesn't necessarily mean they won't get rested. Um, but the, but the fact that we had, uh, what, three full days off between the midweek game and, and the Saturday game. And then we've got a full, what, eight days, I think, until Everton, don't we, without playing again. Uh, there's not really a lot of justification or need to, to rest. So, uh, hopefully he just goes on form. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm missing Jesus. It would be nice, yes, <laughs> it'd be nice yeah. to see him getting a go down the right, maybe. Um, but I think you know, most probably it'll be it'll be Marathon and, and Sterling across the front three again, and I would be fine with that. But you know, if there's if there is any shake up, um, yeah, again, it it wouldn't worry me or or uh, concern me. I don't think that would be the um, I, I don't think our selection. Uh, should be a concern at the moment. I think one of, one of the interesting ones is, uh, Walker coming back because Stones has done really well in that right back role. Yeah. Um, but I do think that particularly when you're talking about Son coming the other exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I want Kyle Walker there keeping up with it or at least having a chance of keeping up with him because, um, you know, John Stones, I, you know, I love the bits that he has got many, many qualities, but I don't want to see him in a straight chase for the ball between him and yeah. Son, Son Young Min. Uh, so I think Walker will be back. 
Um, would be interesting to see Cancelo get a break and, and maybe Zinchenko coming back in again because he was so good against Norwich. So that's another possibility. Uh, but I think it's just we're, we're kind of really blessed at the moment that uh, Pep has got most of a full squad to pick from. Grealish aside, probably the only one who'd be getting in otherwise. And he can almost do what he likes tactically um, and and in terms of keeping you know, the 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 squad and camp happy and, and everybody involved. So, um, and, and in Pep we trust and, and, you know, right now more than, more than ever. Well, I don't, I don't think there's any need to rest players at all. There's no. been yeah. a nice four day break since Tuesday. Uh, you got to take players off against sporting. So Phil Foden yeah. came off, John Stones came off, Rodri came off, Laporte came off. Well, Laporte and Bernardo Silva came off pretty late, so maybe it doesn't count for us. But there's no midweek game either. Yeah. I think it would be less about City this week. Players. So, yeah, you know, we've got a week off again after this. Yeah. Just play stronger sides. So. Yeah. Is it not about keeping uh, keeping everybody match fit though and, and involved and up to speed? Because, you know, if, if somebody goes down injured and, and we do have to bring on you know, a Jesus or whoever and they haven't had a game in a month. Um, hmm. That's not. We never know either, if Pep so. uh, Gundogan can yeah. come in or yeah. Gund- yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah, Jesus yeah. will be training next week, so not him. But you never know. But uh, I would just want to stick. I keep the team as it is at the moment because we're not yeah. having two games every single week. So yeah, I mean, Ali, you said about us being blessed right now. I mean, one particular aspect of that is we've got um, Mbete, kind of Keiki, Delap, Lavia, Makati. They were all on the bench in Sporting. Champions League knockout game and we've got some really talented exciting kids there on the bench uh, and likely a few of them will feature again uh, at the weekend on the bench so Ali I'll start with you but I really want to hear from both of you on this kind of how exciting is that to see these kids being integrated in the squad as the season goes on it, it's beautiful to see and, and the you know the more minutes they get the better obviously we all want to see that I and mean, particularly I think McAtee I'm really really excited every time he comes on uh, and I'd like to see a lot more but you know all of those you mentioned and to be honest there's a, there's a few more out you know but coming up behind them as well um I think it is interesting that the uh the squad the the bench we took to Lisbon on Tuesday um much more about actually how small our senior squad is than how wonderful our kids are. Um, uh, because it's not like we left a lot of, ex- you know, fit and, fit and healthy, uh, senior professionals back in order to accommodate those kids. It's just, we have got 17 outfield players <laughs> and, and mm. if, you know, two or three of them are injured at the time, then we've, we've got another four spaces in the bench that we've got to fill somehow. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that's, I think the immediate practical explanation as to, to why Kaiki and, and uh, Magdine Delap are, are all there on the bench at the moment but equally um, that's why they're getting on and getting minutes too uh, it's undoubtedly the case that Pep trusts them uh, he thinks they will be top players and they will be coming through and yeah, it seems that every yeah, every few months there's another uh, another one of those kids that's top of our agenda um, earlier in the season it was Palmer Last season it was Delap. It's now becoming Delap again. Uh, and uh, the, uh, McAtee, uh, Keiki. Uh, at any given time, there's one of these lads that City fans, all of us, are just desperate to see getting more minutes. Um, and you know, it's probably unlikely that in what three, four years' time, all of those players will all be on the pitch. It, it never works out like that. Um, but you know, for the sake, you know, if we can take like two or three of them up the way that uh, Phil Foden has done, making up the team. You're talking about getting towards up towards half a uh, full City squad that's come through our academy and mm. all the implications that has for things like financial fair play um, and just, you know, squad resources and, you know, how, how much additional wriggle room that gives us when we want to buy a striker or whatever. It's a it's a phenomenal resource and, and we're yeah, very lucky and, and fingers crossed all of them continue in the trajectory that they're on because it is really quite remarkable and beautiful to see. I mean... I completely agree. And I've found myself kind of daydreaming recently, just thinking, imagine if we were a bit crap right now. Imagine if we weren't Man City, but we had these players. Um, and so they were featuring, you know, like when, when you look back at kind of when Lakey came through and David White and kind of, and you know, we had that, that great class there. Um, I would love to see those in, in action. Um, but then I remind myself that, you know, the payoff for that is we'd be a bit rubbish. And frankly, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather we are like we are, to be honest. But 
I really want to see more of him. Um, I'm guessing the same goes for you, Howard. Yeah, this is all part, I think, of the evolution since 2008. Mm. Let's be honest, all I want want is for City to win, 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 and win everything and be brilliant and blah. (laughs) You know, I can fall in love with David Silva, so it doesn't have to be a youth player. Yeah. It can be anyone. But it's a nice, beautiful part of the evolution that now, after plenty of success... We're bringing through a class of top quality youth players. Some are more, you know, not all have come through the academy. Keiki was, you know, yeah. I wouldn't say he's come through as a recent addition, uh, acquisition, so to speak. But it's still nice to see youth players and to see local players come through. I mean, there's nothing more joyous. It just works on every level. As Ali uh, said, you bring through youth players. The criticisms of City, again, yes. How do you criticise City when you're bringing youth players through? It allows City... It's just beautiful for the fans to see local players of this talent playing for Manchester City. It's just awe-inspiring and joyous. And it allows City to really go for like a Haaland, one big acquisition every year to channel funds into much more refined purchasing and Mm. getting just world-class quality players bringing in because when you've got youth players through, you don't have to be buying in three players every season. And yeah, the critics of the City are going to be really struggling if we're bringing through top-class youngsters into the team as well. So it just works on so many levels. And as a fan, it's just wonderful to see. And let's be honest, they're only there because they're good enough. They're not, perhaps not paying them lip service. They We are bringing through... You know, it must be true that we'll bring you through a higher quality of youngsters at the moment uh, than we have ever done, perhaps. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's a bit of a... Kind of, that leads into my unpopular opinion. I'll just kind of put that out there, that what you just said there, Howard. So we'll no. get to that shortly. <laughs> um, let's just quickly bring it back to the Spurs game before we move on. No, um, Ali, how do you think the game will play out and your score prediction? Okay, I'll be honest. I think this is going to be grim. Uh, really? Yeah, I am uh, not not necessarily in terms of the result, but I think uh, if I was Antonio Conte right now, and I'm coming off the back of, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. Before I get to my prediction for the game, can we talk about what's happened to Spurs in the last couple of months, in kind of three months? Because Conte came in and I think went unbeaten for nine games, something yes, like that. Yeah. Had a really good run. I mean, th- th- a few draws along the way, and and it wasn't, you know. Everything wasn't perfect, but he looked to be coming in the right direction. And I think it was probably exactly a month ago, it was probably four weeks ago, I did one of these Friday shows, and Spurs were about to pay, play Chelsea. Um, and that was at a point where Chelsea had been on a terrible run. Uh, Spurs had just come off a really fantastic win against Leicester, uh, looked excellent. And I said I thought Spurs were favourites for that game. Uh, well, lo and behold... Ali's punditry expertise coming the floor again. Um, Chelsea just outplayed them in every department. I think it was only 2-0 or something in the end, but Chelsea did look a significantly better team than Spurs did. And ever since then, Spurs have just looked like they crumbled. And I think maybe what it was is they were on riding a bit of a wave of self-confidence and new manager bounce and all the rest of it. But actually underlying that, it was all quite fragile. And it just took one you know, decent thumping by a good team to put them in their place and their confidence and their self-belief just crumbled. Um, the fact that Conte was uh, you know, having a massive whinge about his transfer window in his first transfer window, you know, like only two months after he'd arrived, <laughs> was a really bad sign. Um, for what it's worth, I think this will be the first and probably last time this will ever happen, but I'm kind of almost on Daniel Le- uh, Daniel Levy's side here because I think they offloaded some really toxic assets in that transfer window. Yes, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 apologies to any Everton fans who might be listening, uh, but I cannot believe that Spurs persuaded Everton to do Dele Alley. <laughs> there is, I, I could not think of a worse match for club and player at any given time than Dele Alley going, uh, going to Everton, uh, you know, where Everton are at the moment. Um, so so, you know, that one surprised me. And I think Spurs will probably be better for having Deli Ali out of that dressing room in the long run. And possibly in Dombele as well, who for all the talent that he showed, not least when he played against us for uh, Monaco, was it? Um, years ago. He was a fabulous player, but it never worked for him at Spurs. Uh, so I think Spurs did need to... Um, 
to refresh that squad and, and change things quite significantly. But it appears to have been done over the head of Antonio Conte, uh, and he appears to be already deeply unhappy, um, which is really not a good sign for Spurs. So all of that has been going on. But to come to my point, uh, if I was Antonio Conte today, looking at the match coming tomorrow... I would be thinking, right, we've just come off uh, a bit of a thumping by Chelsea, a devastating loss to Southampton, 2-0 up and then lose 3-2. It's just absolutely, you know, to Southampton. Um, that must have really knocked the wind out of them. Uh, and then just the most appalling performance against Wolves last week. Uh, I mean, the, the first goal that they lost to Wolves was like any they would have been passing around videos of any pub team that had let in a goal like that. <laughs> uh, it was such comic, farcical nonsense. I, I cannot believe what Hugo Lloris was doing in the middle of that. Uh, so they, their confidence must be shot at the moment. So what do you do if you're Antonio Conte? You dig in. He is going to dig in like the Battle of the Somme tomorrow. Um, it will make Mourinho look like a, a, an exp- expansive, creative manager. Um, they they will not give us an inch. And I think, probably most tellingly, um, at the moment with where they are, Spurs can probably afford to lose 1-0, 2-0, or, or by a goal or two, for their emotional, psychological health and confidence. Um, they cannot afford to get battered. I cannot imagine... Uh, how damaging it would be for Spurs at this moment in time to ship four, five, six. Uh, so I think what that means is even if we go one nil up, they will continue to dig in like the Battle of the Somme. Uh, they won't open up if they go behind, if and when they go behind. Um, so yeah, my prediction is for not a pretty game at all. We will probably find it quite frustrating, but we will win one nil. There you go. Hmm. Uh, Howard. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, I've I, kind of changed my opinion a little bit. That, but sorry, mate, go on after you. No, I, I agree. Conte, I don't know why Conte went there to be honest. Cause, yeah, it was a I mean, just, Yeah, just look at Stefan talking about their their debts. He was never going to be able to rebuild the team, and he's a great manager, but he needs great players like any great manager does. And there's a lot of work to be done in that. And yeah, I think he's just learnt what Daniel Levy's all about very quickly, and uh, probably considering his life choices right now. But he is tactically aware. He's a great manager. I can see them being well-organised and very defensive and looking to... I mean, it makes sense for them to do exactly this to hit City on the break. And you can just see Spurs doing that because, as we've said, it's happened before. However, this City team are a different beast, I think, from six months ago. I mean, the first game of the season counts for nothing. City, again, had no pre-season, weren't fit. What happens two years ago, we're a very different team. I have much more confidence than they ever had that this team finds a way. I, I don't, well, I agree, definitely agree with Ali. I don't think we'll just come out and blow them away. I think it will be a grind and a tough match, but ultimately one that City will win because we're far superior and the system is really performing so well at the moment, as we saw in midweek, another game that apparently Sporting were going to cause us loads of problems and look how it turned out. They did for about five minutes. You know, in five minutes of the Sporting match, I thought, God, we're in for a match here. These are useful. Within 20 minutes, City had turned the screw completely and that's pretty much City nowadays. Even when it looks tough, they find a way. So, ultimately, I don't think we're just going to blow them away. But... They may have a goal in them as well, even though, and I say that, City have the best defence ever at this stage of the season and have conceded fewer goals, 14, than any club, I think, in the top five European leagues. But I've got a hunch Spurs might have a goal in them and I'll go 3-1 to City. Okay. Um, I kind of fall between the two stills. I'm going to go 3-0. Um, I think we are going to batter them. I do hope you're right. <laughs> uh, you did Wait, an me. early goal changes everything, doesn't it? If we do find an early goal, yeah. then they've got to try something, haven't they? We can really pick them off. But, yeah. you know, you, you kind of know with these games a lot, don't you, within 10 minutes. It'd be very telling, I think, where we are after 10 minutes. If it's just them sitting on the edge of the area and us passing it left, left, right, left, right, then we know we're in for a tough 90 minutes. I, I think 
There was a word you used, Ali, which I think is key tomorrow, and that is fragile. I think Spurs are psychologically fragile, and that is why I'm, I'm going with 3-0. Yeah. Um, They're a team but, whose head could drop very easily. Yes, very much so, particularly in these circumstances. But they'll, they'll come at us with a bit of fight. If we start strongly and if we get an early goal, then it could be any scoreline, I, I believe. But let's wait and see. Um, just very quickly before we get to the unpopular opinion... Um, a win for Liverpool against Norwich before City take on Spurs will put the Red six behind us, and of course we're due to face them in April. Um, Ali, is the title race still very much on? In your opinion, I've always thought it was on. Um, I, I uh, it's been a weird season because there's so many uh, differences in how many games have been played and all these games in hand that various different clubs have got uh, over us, but uh, uh a meaningful lead of six points, which is what it's always been between us and Liverpool. We've had to assume that they would win their games in hand. Um, a, a lead of six points when we still have to play them is anything but over. Um, we all know what the Premier League is like. We all know what Manchester City are like. Even this Manchester City, even under Pep Guardiola, even this season. <laughs> um, it's so easy to just have like one off day and then a, a hangover from the off day and bang, bang, you've lost four points in four days. That's happened to us in uh, most seasons in the past, and it may well happen again. It might not, uh, but it easily could. And then suddenly a six-point lead is a two-point lead, um, and we're looking over our shoulder all the way to the last game of the season. Now, it's but equally possible, maybe even more likely, that Liverpool drop more points when it comes to uh, playing them at the 9th of April or something, we're looking ahead to the Liverpool game. Um, you know, we could we could win every game till then and they drop some more and we're already looking at a kind of 12-15 point gap if we win the game against Liverpool in April and then it is all done and dusted. Um, but I think it would be uh, exceptionally arrogant and, and presumptuous to think that the season is finished any time before that match against Liverpool on April the 9th. Um, I will feel a lot comfortable when we've got another derby out of the way because, uh, as is traditional about three weeks before the derby, as I, I'm, that's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, we've, we've got a couple of big games coming up. Um, and I don't for a moment think the league is over. Uh, I do think maybe Liverpool think the league is over, which gives us a huge heads up that obviously what is, uh, mind games and, and what is, you know, going through the motions of press interviews and all the rest of it. And what is actually a, a lack of belief that they've got the firepower to catch us and overtake us. I don't know. Um, but the noises coming out of Liverpool do suggest that they don't really think they can catch us. Uh, and that's good. Um, but I'm a lot more pessimistic or, or whatever. I, 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 uh, put it this way. I'm more realistic about what could happen to City than Jurgen Klopp, maybe. Mm. I mean, I look at it from if you're a Liverpool player um, and you beat Norwich on Saturday, you get into that changing room, you think, right, we've done our job. Um, but, you know, City will, will beat Spurs. Of course, they'll beat Spurs. And you'll be telling yourself that. But you'll also be thinking, oh, but, you know, Tottenham, they've got a chance here. Yeah. And, you know, the more that we keep winning and keep accumulating these points, the more we just chip, chip, chip at their kind of belief. Um well, yeah, Everton away, then United. That's a thing. If we, well, we, could, we should, you could say, if you're up to us, you say we win all three of them. But realistically, they all pose challenges. Yeah, that's it. If we can get through those games, they're a really tricky group of, of games we've got if, coming up. If we get if we win those three, it's done. Even if it's six, I mean, it's not done. <laughs> I agree well, with that completely. <laughs> but no, really, to to get nine points from those three, that that breaks Liverpool yet again. I mean, just, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would require I, some collapse of confidence and competency in the system for us to to mess it up from them. From the way I've been thinking about it since since about New Year, probably we've had a, a fairly healthy lead on at least on on the board, um, and. Ever since that time, I've been thinking it's much more about what Liverpool do than what we do. I'm assuming that we will win most of our games and draw the occasional one and maybe lose one here or there between now and the end of the season. I've, I've just taken that as red. Um, but I don't know whether Liverpool are going to win every game between well, Absolutely. what was in New Year and the end of the season or whether they're going to drop another 20 points like they did in the first half of the season. They could do either. Um, if Liverpool continue to win... Uh, then I will continue to believe that the uh, the title race is on until at least until we've get you know six points ahead with with five points to play for. Um, 
but uh, li- you know, Liverpool could draw to Norwich this weekend or whatever else, you know, because because it's the Premier League, and that's part of the the joy and the fun of the Premier League is that you just cannot bank on uh, on the better team on paper delivering the results on the day. That's why I'm really confident that we're going to win the league exactly for that reason, because as you rightly say, Ali, you know, City could easily drop points in the space of four days, but so could Liverpool, and Liverpool only need really to kind of drop one game, to have one bad day at the office. I don't think it's going to come against Norwich this weekend, but, you know, weeks down the line, (laughs) (laughs) Norwich's record against the top six this season is unbelievable. I think it's played eight, conceded 35 Scored zero. We haven't scored <laughs> against the top six. Um, but yeah, I, I do think two or three weeks down the line, Liverpool could be playing. You know, I'm just picking a name at random Aston Villa and very easily uh, encounter a defeat, and that's it. They're done. So that's it's such a fine margin for them. Okay, let's get on to unpopular opinions, shamelessly inspired by a thread on the Blue Moon Forum, um, which I very much enjoyed reading this week. Um, Just simply asking, what is your unpopular opinion about Manchester City that you hold to be true? Um, Ali, what what is yours? Well, I've got several, but one I'll go with. um, when, When we were doing this pod a little while ago and talking about the prevailing media narrative that City were boring. Mm. And I, I came on this pod and I put up a, uh, you know, I hope a very persuasive case as to where, as to why City were not boring. And then after we'd come off air and I listened back to the pod, I had another bit of a think about it. And I remembered that there are an, are an awful lot of City games where we go 2-0, 3-0, 4-0 up by half time. And then from about 60 minutes onwards, it really is quite dull. And this is particularly <laughs> true at the Etihad. Um, when we have just won the game by about 60 minutes and everybody shuts up. And I, I know I've, I've ranted about this before when I, when I go to a, a game at the Etihad. Um, I would like a lot more life and, and encouragement and engagement from city fans. And I think we're, we're all a bit old and, and, um, <laughs> tired and, and <laughs> starting to take some of our success for granted. Um, but yeah, no, I, my, my unpopular opinion is that second halves of City games when we are winning really are quite boring. There you go. That's that's a cracker and it's one that I, I 60% go along with you. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I tend to kind of watch City games in different sections of the game differently. So I completely yeah. get what you mean. So as soon as, you know, obviously the start of the game, it's about tr- trying to win that game. Uh, and then we'll inevitably score. And it's all about celebrating and enjoying the, the contest. Okay, it's- can, I, can I just come in for something that just occurred to me? Do yeah. you remember when, when we were under lockdown and playing matches behind closed doors and the broadcasters used the artificial crowd noise? That yeah. was just kind of like the, this flat, like, never, never changing level of of noise and a little bit singing a little bit clapping a little bit cheering i thought we should keep that when the crowds come back because that's better in the second (laughs) half than the noise we actually get god that 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 noise will hold if you hear that noise in like a couple years time it'll be like oh because it'll just bring it all back on it it really will just lying on a sofa checking twitter city playing but no atmosphere obviously because there's no fans there Oh yeah, it was bleak times. But no, I, I, I do really sorry. How the last twenty minutes of games with City, if we're two three nil up, it is kind of like having a little walk around a beautiful country mansion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, it's get, I, I think part of it, fully agree. Part of it is there is too much football as well. Yes, definitely. Yes. I mean, it's just yeah, you know, when you see City every three days, I'm not going to be excited when they put in the fifth goal. I'm just not. Yeah, and they've scored five goals. Well, the victim of success in a way, a victim of modern football, which is sanitised and there's problems with atmospheres at games and this rail seating is the first step forward as is, yeah. you know, the tickets that uh, youngsters are getting now, especially away, you know, that will bring the yeah, atmosphere. Young definitely. people bring better yeah. atmosphere. It's as simple yeah. as that. City uh, so have scored five goals in a single game under Pep 43 times, <laughs> which is 13% <laughs> of the games he's managed. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you're just so used to this brilliance that you're not going to be jumping off your seat and doing a congo, are you, down the aisle? It's just like, yeah, you just turn up expecting to City to win. Yeah, look, is- at, look at Rangers last night. You know, if if we go 4-1 up away at Dortmund, we'd be kind of on Twitter kind of saying, 
Office is brilliant. What a great performance. You know, we're, we're really at the top of our game tonight. Whereas <laughs> Rangers fans were just going, oh my God, it was just vowel after vowel after vowel. But to us, it's, it's, it's you know, well, we are past that point now. It's, we are. Where the, it's where the boring claims come from, is that we're not flawed enough to be entertaining to yeah, perfect to others and to us. Yeah, You know the game's done, so and you do know because the team's this good. Yeah. Then that will affect atmosphere. Um, okay, how would your unpopular opinion? Well, I read that whole thread and I can't say I enjoyed it. God, some of it was miserable and depressing. <laughs> <laughs> people. Good God. I mean, uh, just trying to be unpopular. Well, yeah. I Is this we- your unpopular opinion, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I'm trying to throw myself into Blue Moon as well because, yeah. yeah, there's plenty of great stuff on there and threads. Yeah. Uh, but I probably read too much of that 38 page thread because <laughs> some of them were just like, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, so I was going to go with a negative one, which re- revolved around Mario Balotelli. But I think we could do a whole podcast on Mario Balotelli. Right. A whole series. Do, do, do an NYT investigative series about Mario <laughs> yeah, Balotelli. Yeah, he's such a fascinating individual. Yep. <laughs> so my unpopular opinion is that, yeah, here we go. Uh, but I, I do feel it in a way that Stuart Pearce did a good job as a manager. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Bring you that back. You dare bring that back you on the Friday there. show. You dare pollute the Friday show with that. Oh, yeah. I should probably explain myself now. Yeah, yeah. Right, it was mind-numbingly boring. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a, a one of the great coaches. No. He's a limited coach. It was tiresome. Dull, and the closest I've ever been to thinking, you know what, I might just go to B and Q on a Saturday <laughs> rather than watch this every weekend. I, th- I think you can just end it there. Let's, let's just move on. You've made your point. So, but, <laughs> but, but now that we know the club was on its ass financially, the, he did the job. He was a, a link between you know what went before and afterwards. He kept us up, and that was his aim. It might have been absolutely tedious year or two, but he did his job. He made us hard to beat. He showed up the defence. The players, I don't think, were very happy playing under it either. So I'm a lone voice here. And everything that followed, if we'd gone down, if he'd played a different way, then everything that followed afterwards might might not have happened. So it was terrible, unappetising football. But with no money... no. And very little to work with. I think he did an all right job because it served a purpose for everything that went afterwards. So, okay, that's my unpopular opinion. Because it's in the past, I'm willing to kind of go along with that. Only because it's in the past. <laughs> if we were actually, you know, enduring the Pierce years now, oh boy, would we ever fall out over that? But because <laughs> <laughs> we had in the to past. take the punishment for the yeah the treats that came afterwards. Yes, fair enough. Um, mine is very, and it's, it's not aimed at Jack Grealish. I really like Jack Grealish as a person, and I really rate him as a player. And I believe he'll be a phenomenal player for City. But it was a terrible, terrible decision to sign him last summer. Um, I think we, because the, the club knew Cole Palmer was right on the precipice of breaking through. We knew obviously about the ability of McAtee, uh, and you know his contract dispute at the time because you know he wasn't sure about whether he had a future at City. Uh, I think we should have just gone with Cole Palmer and McAtee. I don't think we need Jack Grealish in that regard. And although most of me doesn't give a crap about what the media think about City or what rival fans think about City, it would have been so sweet if we hadn't have spent £100 million on a player we didn't particularly need because it just would have given him far less ammunition to shoot us down this season during what in what will be an absolute vintage season for the ages for City. Um Imagine, if you will, that Cole Palmer had played all the minutes that Jack Grealish has played this season. There's no real difference as regards to the impact. I can't imagine us dropping off in terms of results or performances overall. So we would basically be able to say, look, we've got two young players here from the Manchester area absolutely ripping the Premier League apart. Uh, and we've got no striker because we didn't sign one this season. We've spent nothing this summer. And look what we're doing this season. Um, as it is... It's not, it's not even fair for, for the media to bring up Grealish, but it just gives them that ammunition. They can say, oh, well, of course we're top because they've spent £100 million on a player. So I just wish we hadn't signed him. That's my popular opinion. Can I give you a counterpoint? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's not so much that, we, that I disagree we shouldn't have signed him. Let's get that. Uh, but 
it would have been, everything you said about the uh, the media coverage and, and the, the discussion around City would have been so much worse if Jack really should come in and absolutely turn it up, scored like thirty goals and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, destroyed the entire league for us. Um, then it would have been completely unbearable listening to all the journalists saying, "Oh, they only did it because they spent hundred million on Grealish." As it is, it was like, "Oh, he spent hundred million on Grealish when you didn't need to." Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, we didn't need to. We were great even without him. So yeah, but, have him yeah, back. But they're calling him a luxury player, aren't they? But, uh, Quite. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. I stand by the thought that we thought Bernardo Silva was going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have no evidence for that. But well, we know we wanted to. But there were no buyers out there, and it's a bit bizarre that City could would be so confident that someone's going to splash the cash on him when it wasn't that obvious who was going to do that. Atletico Madrid was mentioned, but they didn't have the money. So a bit of planning is, you know, know that he's leaving before you buy a replacement. And now it's all a bit crowded. So I think that's right. I think the, the counter argument is that City don't buy players for the season ahead. They buy, season, they buy players for the next five or 10 years. Yeah. And Guardiola looked at, uh, Grealish and, and said, you know, I want that player to be a city for the next 10 years. Um, and it will probably take him a year to, to get up to yeah. you know, the, the player that we need him to be. And anyone who understands Guardiola, anyone who understands Manchester City and, and understands football, uh, will get that. So, you know, we, d- we didn't need Grealish this year, but it might well be, as you say, you know, people expected Bernardo to leave. They thought Sterling might leave. Um, you know, any Jesus player. Jesus might could, leave. Yes. Yeah, so Jesus might leave. Yeah, someone any, knows any, there, isn't there? So. And of course, yeah. any, any player can go can do their ACL or break their ankle or whatever at any moment and suddenly you know the picture looks very different we've been we've been quite lucky in terms of long term injuries and that kind of stuff this year uh we've been working more or less with a full squad uh so you know things could have looked very different this year with with the Grealish signing and i strongly suspect they will look very different if not next year then the year after that or the year after that when when the true value of Jack Grealish will flourish and, and be obvious to all oh well said i mean you know, as I said at the topic, this is not aimed at Jack as such a, at all, really. Um, I hugely rate him as a player, and he has terrific calves. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, I think it's time to um, wrap things up. Thank you very much for joining me today, Ali. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to go away and uh, put some wood over the windows. <laughs> yes, hunker down. Yeah. Thanks, Howard. Yeah, going to do a big shop before it gets <laughs> slightly breezy. That's Don't a- forget... Don't forget your big coat, mate. Absolutely. Oh, yes, got my winter coat, yeah. Two big coats. Um, that's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to see if that horrible jumper that was given to us at Christmas has blown away after we accidentally left it on the washing line. <laughs> In the meantime, take care of yourselves, be safe, and forever up the blues.